0: Hi. You're listening to the Zoe Fellowship Sermon podcast. Zoe Fellowship exists to have fellowship with God and with one another and to extend that fellowship to others through the work of Jesus Christ. This week's sermon is from Ecclesiastes chapter 1 verse 12 through chapter 2 verse 26 and is preached by Pastor Paul Hong. Due to the COVID-19 virus, Zoe Fellowship Sunday services are available to join in person and via live stream. Precautionary measures such as wearing masks, disinfecting, and social distancing are being taken during our physical gatherings. We hold our Sunday services at 1 p.m. You can find a link to the live stream in the description box. Good afternoon, everyone. If you guys have your Bibles, please turn to the book of Ecclesiastes. Uh, We started the book of Ecclesiastes last week. Uh, We are in Ecclesiastes chapter 1, starting in verse 12. And we're going to read all the way through chapter 2. So we're reading all the way through the end of chapter 1 of Ecclesiastes and all the way through chapter 2. And so read along with me. Verse 12. I, the preacher, have been king over Israel in Jerusalem, and I applied my heart to seek and to search out by wisdom all that is done under heaven. It is an unhappy business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. I have seen everything that is done under the sun, and behold, all is vanity and a striving after wind. What is crooked cannot be made straight, and what is lacking cannot be counted. I said in my heart, I have acquired great wisdom, surpassing all who were over Jerusalem before me, and my heart has had great experience of wisdom and knowledge, and I applied my heart to know wisdom and to know madness and folly, I perceive that this also is but a striving after wind, for in much wisdom is much vexation, and he who increases knowledge increases sorrow. Chapter 2. I said in my heart, come now, I will test you with pleasure. Enjoy yourself. But behold, this also was vanity. I said of laughter, it is mad and of pleasure. What use is it? I searched with my heart how to cheer my body with wine, my heart still guiding me with wisdom, I had also great possessions of herds and flocks, more than any who had been before me in Jerusalem. I also gathered for myself silver and gold and the treasure of kings and provinces. I got singers, both men and women, and many concubines, the delight of the sons of man. So I became great and surpassed all who were before me in Jerusalem. Also, my wisdom remained with me. And whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I kept my heart from no pleasure, for my heart found pleasure in all my toil, and this was my reward for all my toil. Then I considered all that my hands had done, and the toil I had expended in doing it, and behold, all was vanity, and a striving after wind, and there was nothing to be gained under the sun. So I turned to consider wisdom and madness and folly, for what can the man do who comes after the king? Only what has already been done. Then I saw that there is more gain in wisdom than in folly, as there is more gain in light than in darkness. The wise person has his eyes in his head, but the fool walks in darkness. And yet I perceive that the same event happens to all of them. Then I said in my heart, what happens to the fool will happen to me also. Why then have I been so very wise? And I said in my heart that this also is vanity. For of the wise, as of the fool, there is no enduring remembrance seeing that in the days to come all will have been forgotten, how the wise dies just like the fool. So I hated life because what is done under the sun was grievous to me, for all is vanity and a striving after win. I hated all my toil in which I toil under the sun, seeing that I must leave it to the man who will come after me, and who knows whether he will be be wise or a fool. Yet he will be master of all for which I toiled and used my wisdom under the sun. This also is vanity. So I turned about and gave my heart up to despair over all the toil of my labors under the sun, because sometimes a person who has toiled with wisdom and knowledge and skill must leave everything to be enjoyed by someone who did not toil for it. This also is vanity and a great evil. What has a man from all the toil and striving of heart with which he toils beneath the sun? For all his days are full of sorrow and his work is a vexation. Even in the night, his heart does not rest. This also is vanity. There is nothing better for a person than that he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil. This also, I saw, is from the hand of God. For apart from him, who can eat or who can have enjoyment? For to the one who pleases him, God has given wisdom and knowledge and joy, but to the sinner, he has given the business of gathering and collecting, only to give to one who pleases God. This also is vanity and striving after the wind. This is God's word. Um, One of my favorite TV shows when I was growing up, and by growing up, I mean like a few years ago, was uh, this uh, animated TV show called uh, Justice League Unlimited. And of course, it is a show about superheroes. I love superheroes. I love the, the mythology of it all. And I just really enjoy teaming up. And so Justice League was one of my favorite TV shows. Um, Justice League is like Superman and Batman and Wonder Woman. And so there's this episode where it's Superman's birthday. And uh, Batman and Wonder Woman are flying in Wonder Woman's invisible jet... And they're flying over to the Fortress of Solitude. This is like Superman's headquarters where he works. And they're flying to the Fortress of Solitude. Um, and Batman asks Wonder Woman, what did you get Superman for his birthday? And Wonder Woman responds saying, oh, it's a surprise. And if I say it out loud, then it'll like Superman will hear it with his supersonic hearing. So I'm just going to not tell you what it is. And then Wonder Woman asks Batman, what did you get him? And then Batman kind of uneasily pulls out this envelope and Wonder Woman kind of like looks at him and is like, you didn't get him a gift certificate, did you? And uh, and Batman was like, no, no, of course not. I would never. I got him cash. You know, so he just bundled some cash in an envelope to apparently to give to Superman. And Wonder Woman was a bit like astounded. And Batman just, just kind of says, what do you buy for the man who has everything? And this is sort of the question. And this is the preacher Sort of trying to figure this out. What do you buy for the man who has everything? Because the preacher, he's a king of Israel. He typically, he, uh, he has everything in a sense. And so he's asking the question that he's approaching. And he's, what he's trying to teach us is, what, what will truly satisfy somebody who kind of just already has everything? Who's already satisfied, maybe? This is sort of the question. So last week, we started this book of Ecclesiastes. And the preacher, who is the author of this book, he showed us last week that life is short, that life is elusive, and that it's repetitive, and nothing is permanent. And knowing that is the first step to living a good and wise life, that nothing is permanent. And so this was sort of his conclusion. And But today, he shows how he came to this conclusion. You could say that last week was the abstract or the or the summary of his findings of his life experience, and today is the experiments. He's showing off the experience he performed in order to come to the conclusion of vanity of vanities, all is vanity. But today, while the conclusion still in a sense is vanity of vanities, all is vanity, he also kind of hints at this and this is the main point for today. It's this, that all the enjoyments of life are gifts from God. Okay, The main point of today's text is that all the enjoyments of life are gifts from God. And he begins with this pursuit of wisdom and, and living wisely. And what, he, what that results in and what he kind of discovers is that life is complex. Life is extremely complex. It's nuanced. It's hard to, hard to live. Um, and yet... Uh, pursuing, uh, pursuing wisdom uh, leads us to understand this kind of fact. And so look what he says. He says that, uh, starting in verse 12, I, am, I, the preacher, have been king over Israel in Jerusalem, and I applied my heart to seek and to search out by wisdom all that is done under heaven. It is an unhappy business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. Basically, he's saying, I'm going to see what people do. I'm just going to do everything. I'm going to do everything that's done under heaven and I'm going to decide what it is and why God has given it to us. And he's discovering that it is an unhappy business. I have seen everything that is done under the sun and behold, all is vanity and chasing after the wind. And the first thing he pursues is wisdom. Verse 16, I said in my heart, I have acquired great wisdom, surpassing all who were over Jerusalem before me. And my heart has had great experience of wisdom and knowledge. And I applied my heart to no wisdom, to no madness and folly, and I perceived that this also is but a striving after wind. For in such wisdom is much vexation, and he, he who increases knowledge increases sorrow. So he discovers this first thing about wisdom, that with pursuing wisdom, in much wisdom, there's much vexation or frustration Last week we used the word, uh, the Korean word, "taptape." It's this frustration, it's this stuckness um, in having much wisdom. And he who increases in knowledge uh, increases in sorrow. And this might be where this idea of ignorance is bliss came from. The less you know, the happier you'll be. And I think this this idea of this increasing knowledge increases sorrow has become so apparent for us today. As we discover more and more how uh, our communities and our neighborhoods have been in and the oppression that's been there and the oppression and injustices that we've either ignored or been complicit with, the more we've come to know more of these things that are being revealed through video, through social media, the more sorrow we have, right? And this idea of having more knowledge makes us more sorrowful and life has suddenly becomes really complex because the things that we didn't know about were there all the time and we either ignored it, ignored it or we've been complicit in it ourselves. And so we've grown in sorrow because of the information that has come out in terms of all these things. It was, uh, this past week apparently was uh, the 97th anniversary of the Tulsa Race Massacre. This is in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Um, This is where about 10,000 people were displaced. It was a, a mainly black neighborhood. This was back in the early 1900s. And apparently, this is where the first bombs were ever dropped on American soil, soil, was in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And apparently, over 300 people died, and it all started when um, a young 19-year-old black man apparently or uh, allegedly assaulted uh, this 17-year-old white woman who was working at a, as an elevator operator in a, like a segregated elevator. She was working in the black elevator, right, the colored elevator. And apparently... Uh, what what uh, a witness saw was just this young man stumbling out of the elevator and running away, and, she, and he just heard a shout from the white girl. And, all that, uh, and what that, the assumption was made that this person, this black man, had assaulted this young white woman. And so a riot began, and thus became the Tulsa Race Massacre. Now, all of this I learned in the past week. I've never heard of the Tulsa Race Massacre. I'm originally from Oklahoma. I took Oklahoma history because, of course, I live in Oklahoma. And this was, I don't remember this at all from my, from my textbooks. In fact, I think it's only going, it's going to be start being added in uh, these days because of everything that's been going on. And this is the reality, right? This, my whole life, I lived most of my life, more than half my life, in Oklahoma, and I never knew anything about the Tulsa Race Massacre. And so what's been happening is I've been learning more and I've just been growing more sorrowful. Why? Because the world that we live in and that we're growing in and that we're becoming more knowledgeable about is broken. It's dark. It's sinful. And it's being stained by sin and death because of the fall. And so as we learn more, we discover there's a lot of sin, a lot of darkness that we didn't know about before. And now we have to learn to deal with it in some way shape or form and of of course for christians the act the first act is repentance right we want to repent and then we want to pursue justice and pursue reconciliation and forgiveness and love those are the things that we want to do but the preacher he points to this reality that we still live in today and we're experiencing today that in much wisdom is much vexation and he who increases knowledge increases sorrow now skip down to verse 12 of chapter 2 he says, so I turn to consider wisdom and madness and folly, for what can the man do who comes after the king? Only what has already been done. Then I saw there is more gain in wisdom than in folly, as there is more gain in light than in darkness. The wise person has his eyes in his head, but the fool walks in darkness, and yet I perceive the same event happens to all of them. So the, another conclusion he comes to about this during his pursuit in wisdom was that, even though wisdom, with much wisdom is much vexation, and even though with increasing knowledge there's increasing sorrows, it's still better to be wise than to be a fool. Right? He says it's better. There's more gain in wisdom than in folly, and he compares it to light and dark. Right? Because he knows that the world is a dark place, we need wisdom, and wisdom is like a light that shines in a dark place. And this wisdom, of course, for us as Christians is God's word. God's word is a lamp to our feet feet and our light to our path. And so we need wisdom, right? And it's more, there's more gain in wisdom. It's better to be wise. It's better to be aware of everything that's been going on than it is to just walk blindly and ignorantly throughout our lives. Because then it's like you're just walking in darkness and you trip over stuff and you don't care what it is. It is better to be wise, And yet, the great equalizer of all this, of what we learned last week too, is is that everybody dies in the end. And a wise man can walk in front of a bus the same as a fool can, right? And so they both will die. And this is what he perceived, verse 15, then I said in my heart, what happens to the fool will happen to me also. Why then have I been so very wise? And I said in my heart that this also is vanity, He knows that both the wise man and the fool will be forgotten. Nobody will remember, and wise people die just like the fool. They both get put in a wooden box and buried underground. And so he hated life because what is done under the sun was grievous to me, for all is vanity and a striving after wind. And so what he what he's discovering, even in this pursuit of wisdom, and then even though it's bringing sorrow, it's still somehow better he finds, of course, that life is extremely complex. It's nuanced. It's difficult. And yet, and so all the more we need, as, as we grow in knowledge of this world, of this dark world we live in, we also need to grow in knowledge of God's word so we can live wisely in it. And the second thing he continues in his kind of life experiment of, of discovering what life is all about and uh, what you can buy for a man who has everything, he, he uh, lives a life of hedonism, Right? He decides to self-indulge. He decides to pursue pleasure. And what he discovers at the end of this is that life is pleasurable, right? Life is pleasurable. He says, I said in my heart, come now, I will test you with pleasure. Enjoy yourself. But behold, this also was vanity. I said of laughter, it is mad, and of pleasure, what use is it? I searched with my, own, with my heart how to cheer my body with wine, my heart still guiding me with wisdom, and how to lay a hold on folly till I might see what was good for children of man to do under heaven during the few days of his life. I made great works, I built houses, planted vineyards for myself, I made myself gardens and parks, planted them with all kinds of fruit trees, I made myself pools from which to water the forest of growing trees. I bought male and female slaves, and I had slaves who were born in my house. I had great possessions of herds and flocks, more than any who had come before me in Jerusalem. I gathered for myself silver and gold and treasure of kings and provinces. I got singers, both men and women, and many concubines that delight the sons of man. He went all out in a life of self-indulgence and pleasure. He lived the most hedonistic life he could. Hedonism is just this pursuit of pleasure. That believing that life is just about pleasure, you just got to get as much of it as you can while you're still alive, and that's what he decided to do. And a lot of people live this way. And when they look at this, they're like, "Sounds pretty good." So he pleasured himself with with wine, right? With luxury, riches, prosperity, prosperity, power, sex, all these things. He pursued and uh, experienced and he did this more than anybody else right so I became verse 9 so I became great and surpassed all who were before me in Jerusalem also my wisdom remained with me and whatever my eyes desired I did not keep from them and then he says this I kept my heart from no pleasure for my heart found pleasure in all my toil and this was my reward for all my toil so this is what he discovers right life is pleasurable That all these things, they're a reward for the work that he has done. He's pursued these things. He's worked for these things. And so he's going to enjoy the fruits of his labor, his vineyards, his wives, his slaves, his authority, his power, his riches. All these things are right there for him to enjoy. And it teaches us that God is a God of pleasure, a God God of riches. And everything he created, he created good. He called it good. But what happened? We live in a dark world. And what, what, what is happening then is that all these things become idols. And we pursue these things too much, and we start uh, sacrificing to the altar of these things with, uh, to get drunk, right? Finding, uh, working only for the sake of money, to just store up more and more money, with food and with sex. Our country is full of sexual immorality with, with just way too much access to it. And so the things that God meant to just for us to enjoy its pleasure have become idols. And his discovery in all this, verse 11, then I considered all that my hands had done and the toil I had expended in doing it and behold, all was vanity and striving after, the, after wind and there was nothing to be gained under The son. What he's saying is, yes, while there are pleasures in life to be enjoyed, none of it is going to go with you when you die. You can enjoy it, these things are just temporary, right? They're temporary enjoyments. They don't last. You're trying to find this satisfaction, and these things aren't it. You can enjoy them, sure, but they're not gonna fill you the way that you're meant to be filled as a human being made in the image of God. Because the world is broken and it's and it's dark. Place. And so, even with this discovery of life being pleasurable, he continues in his search for meaning, for purpose, for the gift that you're supposed to give to someone who has everything. And he says this the vanity of toil. He said, I hated all my toil in which I toiled under the sun, seeing that I must leave it to a man who will come after me. He discovers in his next thing, he decides to just bury his head in work. And he discovers that life is just hard work. It's just hard work. Life is just hard work. And he decides to bury himself in it. And he says, and his biggest problem that he comes to the conclusion of is this, that all his work, all the fruits of his labor, any monument he's trying to build for himself, any legacy he's trying to leave behind, they're all going to somebody else to enjoy. He doesn't even get to fully enjoy everything that he has worked for. He says, I must leave it to the man who will come after me. And who knows whether he will be wise or a fool. When I read this, I thought about, I thought about our immigrant parents. Because I was thinking they, they left their country behind to a foreign land. They started small businesses. Their college degrees didn't matter in the, in, a, in the 80s or whenever they came in. And so they had to just kind of build their life from the ground up. And they did it. And all they're doing is working really hard, hoping that their sons and daughters will have a better life that they don't have to live in this uh, life of 고생, as Korean called this life of hardship and suffering that they did when they moved here. And what they're doing is they're, they're working at these donut shops, they're working at chicken wing shops and laundromats, and they're doing all this, and they're trying to make sure that their kids study. They do all of it so, that, so all of us would just go to the library and study our butts off, so that we could go to a good school and get a good job and then provide for them so they, they, don't have to, no, they don't, won't have to uh, work in a chicken wing factory anymore or wherever they're working. But this question remains. Who knows whether he will be wise or a fool? Ultimately, these parents are thinking, our parents were probably thinking, I'm going to work my hardest, but man, I don't know if my son's going to be an idiot or not. What will he do with what I leave, leave behind for him? Will it be enough I think about that too. I think about that with Pascal. Will he be wise or will he be a fool? And a lot of that is up to me and Anna as parents, but we're going to work and he is going to be the one who enjoys all our labor, all our toil. In the back half of verse 19, he says, Yet he will be a master of all for which I toiled and used my wisdom under the sun. This also is vanity. So I turned about and gave my heart up to despair over all the toil of my labors under the sun, because sometimes a person who has toiled with wisdom and knowledge and skill must leave everything to be enjoyed by someone who did not toil for it. This also is vanity and a great evil. And look what he says in verse uh, 23. For all his days are full of sorrow, and his work is a vexation. Even the night his heart does not rest. This is what the preacher has discovered He'll wake up and he's sad because of all the wisdom he knows and all the lack of fulfillment he had from uh, indulging himself. And then he has to go to work. And work is a vexation. It's, it's, it's frustrating. He doesn't feel like he's going anywhere with his job. And then finally, he comes home at night. Even in the night, his heart does not rest. Why? Because tomorrow he has to get up in this dark world again and work in a frustrating job that he gets nowhere in. So he doesn't even get to rest fully at night this also is vanity and striving after wind life is hard work this is what the preacher discovers and so how does he get to this conclusion of um, that uh, all the enjoyments of life are gifts from God how does he come to this conclusion well he says this starting in verse 24 at the end of chapter two there is nothing better for a person than that he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil this also, I saw, is from the hand of God. For apart from him, who can eat or who can have enjoyment? For to the one who pleases him, God has given wisdom and knowledge and joy. But to the sinner, he has given the business of gathering and collecting only to give to the one who pleases God. This also is vanity and is striving after the wind. He just decides this, that in this complex world that he lives in, in pursuing wisdom and pursuing knowledge, trying to be wise, trying to be a light in a dark world, in a life full of pleasures that he can easily fall into, and in a life full of frustrating, hard work. He says all of it is just a gift from God, that, I sh- that he should just enjoy the wine and the riches, right? And he can enjoy a complex life and enjoy the things that he's learning and pursuing justice and all these things. He sh- there's nothing better for a person that he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil, even in his job, he just tries to like it, even when he doesn't. And he says, This also is it's just from the hand of God. It's a gift from God. And what's really funny here, if you're looking at what he, of all the things he looks at in this pursuit of wisdom, this pursuit of pleasure, this pursuit of finding purpose in work, what he's doing is trying to find the Garden of Eden again. He's trying to find the Garden of Eden again. He's trying to find paradise. And so if you're looking at work in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve, they had work to do. Be fruitful, multiply, have dominion over all the animals on the land and in the sea. They had a job, right? And they had purpose. They had a mission from God to do this, to spread the image of God all over the world. And then to take care of this garden and live peacefully in the garden. But what happened? They sinned. And now the the garden is working against them. Now everything is toil. Everything is hard work instead of worship. All work should be worship, but now, because of our sinful hearts, now work is no longer worship, or at least it's very hard to worship during our work because it's difficult, it's hard. And then even the pleasures of the garden. Enjoying any fruit right in the tree, from the trees of the garden. And it's this naked man and this naked woman, and the command is to be fruitful and multiply right enjoy one another you're married you're a married happy couple, naked couple in this garden all by yourselves with all these animals and with all this fruit enjoy yourselves right god is a god of pleasure he gives this paradise garden to this couple but then what happens they sin against god and now all these things that are meant to bring enjoyment and pleasure and rest all these things now have been broken and tainted and they have become gods to us Right That we worship the creation rather than the Creator, that we get drunk off of wine, and that we pursue riches that rust and dissolve to dust over time. that we abuse power and authority that God has given us, and that we live in sexual immorality, right That we use that in ways to just find pleasure and not any sort of commitment or meaning. These things, they have a context for which we can enjoy them. Sex are supposed to be in the context of a biblical marriage, a heterosexual marriage with one man and one woman together forever. And yet, that has been ruined. We abuse power, but power is meant to use to, to serve others, like a servant king, like Jesus does. He had all the power, but he gave it all. He humbled himself to pursue, or to pursue obedience to the Father. Even riches are meant to to give to others, to help others, and to enjoy wine, to enjoy the fruits of our work. These things, all these things God gave us as a gift to enjoy in the garden, and yet because of sin, we no longer can. And then even this pursuit of wisdom, remember what happened in the garden, that the the serpent deceived Eve by saying that if if, if they ate from the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil... That they will be like God, knowing good and evil. That they will be more like God. They will be more knowledgeable, more wise like God. But they're blind to the reality that they already were like God. They had God's word with them, the, God's presence in the garden with them at all times. They had God's word. They had instructions to be fruitful and multiply and have dominion. And They failed. They were deceived by the, by, uh, the serpent. and So they pursued wisdom where it wasn't found and instead they found what more vexation more sorrow when they tried to be more like god in that way in a way that god had not ordained do you see how a wise life god has created and designed an order for us to live in and we are to seek that out using god's word his wisdom and the most wise person that ever lived that ever walked this earth was of course jesus Right? And we look to him as an example. In, in, a, in a sense, he is the greatest, he is the preacher, but one who has found that, that everything is a gift from God, and he lives perfectly in obedience to God, loving his neighbor and loving God. And the preacher, he's finding that everything is vanity, everything's a breath, everything's short. Life is complex, life is hard work, life is pleasurable, but all of life is still in the context of a dark world. And so we need God's word. We need God's wisdom to live in a way that pleases him, honors him, and honors the design that he has created this world to be. So there is nothing better for a person than that he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil. What do you buy? The man who has everything, you get him something that he can just enjoy. That's it. Just get him something he'll enjoy. Just find something he likes. And this is, this is for us too. Enjoy your life. It's short, but the things that the good things in life, they're pictures, they're hints of the resurrection, they're hints of the new creation that is coming. And so we can enjoy good food, our families, fellowship, marriage, singleness. We can enjoy all these things. Enjoy work. Enjoy your life. It's a gift from God. Pursue justice. Right? Walk humbly with your God. These are all things that we can do because God has gifted them to us. All the enjoyments of life are gifts from God. Let me pray for us. Father, in the complexity of life, in the hard work of life, in the pleasures of life that you give us, your word shows us a way to live that honors you and gives us joy. We live in a world of darkness, and we need your wisdom as a light to our path. We know that everything in this world is fleeting. We know that there are many sorrows and frustrations to be experienced. We know that pleasure in this world does not last. And while we know these things, in our own sinful condition, we still live like these things will give us the purpose and joy that we long for that is only found in you. And so we ask for wisdom and guidance so that we can live the good life that you have designed for us.